Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather Kiros, and I'm the author and founder of First Century Youth Ministry. And if you want to learn about Jesus from his Jewish context and get better at discipleship in the 21st century, this podcast is for you. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Once again, we've got Dr. Ronald Herms on the podcast for today. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, please do go back and listen to week one. We had a great discussion on what is apocalyptic literature, learning from Ron, that it's an unveiling in the scriptures, and that there's many times where actually there's these different apocalyptic moments within the scriptures. And so today we just want to have a bit of a practical discussion on how can we as youth leaders best teach uh, apocalyptic literature to our students when sometimes it might leave us scratching our heads a little bit? Sounds good. Great to be back. Yeah. So, so yeah, Ron, how can we as youth leaders best be teaching uh, apocalyptic literature to our students? What are some practical ways a youth leader who's maybe, you know, they've got a little bit of Bible training, but they want to be able to teach well to their students. They don't want to avoid books like Revelation and books like the book of Daniel or Ezekiel that has a lot of apocalyptic things showing up in it. How can we look at those books and honor them um, from in light of early Jewish literature and in light of um, the intended meaning of the biblical authors? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot there. I think probably the first thing to do is to assume um, that, Um, If you're talking to a group of students that have some Christian or church background, that there may actually be some deconstructing or unlearning that has Mm -hmm. to happen first. So accurately, you know, working with, you know, good definitions of what is the apocalyptic literature genre and what are some of the basic rules for interpretation. Um, I'll just give you one example. And at the end of our chat last week, we talked about some of the resources that might be available uh, to, to youth pastors and leaders. Um, but one example of a, ru- a basic rule of interpreting, for especially, well, this is true of all biblical literature, but especially for apocalyptic literature, is that you begin with what is simple and obvious, and you move mm-hmm. toward what is more difficult and obscure, right? So you okay. don't jump in to the book of Revelation in chapter 16 and say, who are the three frog demons, right? Like you don't start your Bible study with that, right? You you (laughs) go to the places in Revelation, if that's what you're teaching, and where does John tell us what these symbols mean? There are some symbols he doesn't explain, and those Mm -hmm. are more difficult. But, but let's start with what he tells us and with what is known, right? He tells us what the seven stars are. He tells us mm-hmm. about the messengers and the angels and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, yep. so let's start with what's simple. That's one example. So I think the first thing I would say is there's some basic orientation to the genre that's required. And the challenge there for youth leaders would be not to make that sound too much like an English lit class in high school, right? Uh, Where suddenly, you know, you're diving into the dynamics of this genre of literature and they're like, well, you know, my English teacher, you know, talks about Shakespeare this way or, you know, you know, these types of things. And and Mm -hmm. I suppose the point of connection would be to say, yes, that is right. As, as, Mm -hmm. as faithful biblical readers, 
we do have some work to do to get past, mm -hmm. you know, what I actually think is an unthinkingly arrogant position that assumes I can just pick up the scriptures and read it and understand, right? And wow. I yeah. Wouldn't want to, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to give students the impression this is mm -hmm. so hard that you need graduate level education to understand anything. Sure. But you sure. would want sure. to communicate. Let's do some work. And and one of the ways that I would try to unpack that as almost like an exercise for youth, um, this would be a really nice practical way to start, is just to bring other examples of genres. So if you wanted mm -hmm. to bring like a range of musical selections from classical to hip hop to rap to country to jazz, you know, and just, you know, play 30 seconds of five or six different genres and say, you know, a lot of the same instruments are being used, but these are mm -hmm. totally different musical expressions. There are different sure. rules of engagement, right? There are different ways mm -hmm. of counting time if you're a musician. Another example would be just to use literature. So one of the things I often do with students is tell them, um, you know, I, I'll start with a question like, how many of you had to write like a fictional story in high school? And every hand goes up. And I'll say, how many of you had to write poetry at some point in an English class? And most hands go up. And then I'll say, how many of you were ever asked to write an apocalypse? No hands go up, right? It's a completely different genre. It has different sure. rules of engagement. But here's the thing that we as readers do. If, if the youth leader were to hand a, sh a short creative story or a paragraph uh, that was sure. fictional, the, the youth in the group, like they would instantaneously, their brains would automatically make the adjustment and say, oh, I'm reading creative fiction. This is like not a true story. This is, this right, is something right, right. creative and imaginative. Or if you yeah. handed them a poem, right, they would, their brains mm -hmm. would then go, okay, this is not creative fiction. This is poetry. There's different sure. rules. Right. Or if you handed them the instructions to, you know, an iPhone 13, they would open those and say, okay, I get what, this is a manual. It's intended to be read and understood a certain way. And that yeah. would illustrate how different literatures, we automatically make those adjustments. We don't, yeah. no one has to explain to us, you're now reading a manual. Please don't interpret this like poetry. The problem yeah. is, you know, a lot of people will read Paul's letters, which sound mm -hmm. really straightforward and direct, you know, leader or pastor to a group of believers and then they'll just read right through into the book of Revelation and assume they're yeah. doing the same thing. And you're not. That's right. It would be like right. moving from classical to jazz, but not realizing that the rules of engagement and appreciation sure. have changed. Right. So yeah. I think that's the first step. And then I think the second would be to make connections to the world in which young people live. And you mm. can do that with the themes, with the issues they're facing. Um, and I'll give you an illustration of that in just a moment. But you can also do it with the movie culture that they're so familiar with. So think of things like the Avengers movies or think of mm -hmm. things like, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy or, um, you know, one of my favorite apocalypses from the late 1990s, 12 Monkeys, which is about time <laughs> travel and and going, you know, it's a it's a Brad Pitt. And um yeah. Uh, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Brad Pitt was sure. in it and um, yeah, I forget who else. Anyway, um, so so these are examples where whether you sit down and watch the movie together 
and you've got sure. places where you could stop and ask questions or have discussion, or whether you just curate some clips to illustrate certain things. These are ways in which to engage and then move to the book of Revelation and say, here's an example of how in the first century, you know, John mm -hmm. is doing. I mean, I often say to students, the book of Revelation in the first century was like an IMAX surround sound 3D Dolby experience, right? Sure. That, uh, they yeah. didn't go to movie theaters. This was the right. immersive creative experience. And so, yeah. you know, anything that we can use to kind of help our students engage with it at that level, mm -hmm. even something like Disney's Lion King is mm. apocalypse set in an African savanna, right? You've got the great themes of good versus evil, of, sure. of yeah. choice versus fate, you know, of, yeah. of, of the responsibility to the community of, is there justice in the end? Or, you know, do, mm -hmm. does suffering have to take place in order for good to be the outcome? These are all themes that are woven through the book of Revelation, but they also appear in The Lion King, right? So um, these are yeah. all ways in which we could help our students think through these themes. Now, I said earlier, and I'll stop in a moment, you can respond yeah. to me in whatever way yeah. you want. But I said earlier that I have a personal example of doing this with real life circumstances. I mm -hmm. taught the book of Revelation to 50 students in two different sections uh, of 25 students each in the fall of 2020. So if we can mm -hmm. all think back two years, Ooh, exactly yeah. this, time, wow. um, this was the election cycle leading up to sure. the election of yeah. President Biden. And uh, this sure. was also mm -hmm. the time when everyone was in lockdown. We were teaching our classes via Zoom and our, sure. our classrooms and our campuses were empty at the university level. Um, mm -hmm. We did not have a vaccine. Right. So we had right. this mm -hmm. we had this illness rampaging through uh, sure. our, our society. And and yep. we have these mixed messages. Right. And and we Mm -hmm. We don't know who to trust or who to listen to. Yeah. And then, and you know, we're what, one day away from Labor Day here. And in California, on the Friday night of Labor Day uh, in 2020, one of the largest forest fires in the history of the state of California right. started burning on that night. And for the next six yeah. weeks here in Fresno, we had such poor air quality. I couldn't go for a morning run for six weeks. Um, you know, it oh, was... My. Everybody was locked indoors. So imagine we're wow. on Zoom. There, there's a pandemic. Mm. There's an election. You know, there's no vaccine. There's fire sure. burning around us. And we're studying yeah. the book of Revelation, right? Right. So, yeah. And, and you quickly come to one of two conclusions. Either we were living through the end of days in the fall right? of 2020 as predicted yep. by the book of revelation which was a common yep. thing you heard from a lot of people at that time or yeah. the book of revelation is a template for how to live faithfully when it feels like the world around you is falling apart or going to hell in a handbasket and that's not the end of the world that's just a chaotic set of circumstances so obviously sure. I, I chose the latter approach, but, you know, we had right. these forest fires and these elections and arguments and all that stuff. Mm. And it was, it was just a really great context in which to have those conversations. I need to stop. That's really insight. No, that's very insightful. That's really good. And I was actually thinking as you were talking a question that I had, you know, it sounds to me like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as 
in light of um, the biblical authors and how they wrote and the different genres in which they chose to write yeah. from and within, some of these authors chose to write using apocalyptic literature. And, and it sounds to me like maybe the focus of apocalyptic literature shouldn't be the author's creative way in expressing that, but instead the unveiling, right? Like, so we might read, um, you know, Harry Potter or something like that and go, wow, like that's so imaginative. It's so creative. It's so, you know, like I was just having a conversation with students about it last night, you know, they love it because they love the creative creativity, but, but there's something behind all of the creativity that unveils something, some sort of truth or some sort of um, understanding about something deeper in life. And so it sounds to me like maybe as we're um, reading uh, Revelation or Daniel or Ezekiel or other apocalyptic books that we shouldn't maybe focus so much on um, the things that are uh, work were coming out of the creative mind of the, the writer, but the unveiling that they were help, helping us try to see. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely Is that fair. Something. Yes. And the way you have said that leads me in, in our podcast last week, um, I made brief reference to Revelation 5 and the presentation of the slaughtered yeah. lamb as the centering interpretive. Yeah. This, this is the figure. This is the one who makes sense of everything that seems so hidden and chaotic. And it's in the suffering of Jesus. Mm. It's in his passion that we see God's true love and heart redemptively for all of creation. Now, that's the main storyline in the book of Revelation. But here's the secondary, here's the um, the inescapable secondary conclusion that if Jesus is Lord of the cosmos, then Caesar cannot be. And in the book of mm. Revelation, there's a great deal of attention paid to the beast that comes from the sea, which is a reference yep. to the Roman Empire, and to yep. Babylon, which was... Jewish and Christian code language for the Roman Empire. And here is the problem that Pastor John had with the churches in Asia Minor, is that the Roman Empire was pretty awesome. It was amazing. Mm. So again, as I think Mm -hmm. about youth leaders and youth groups, and especially, you know, I know that there's a lot of young people facing anxiety and uncertainty, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to minimize that. But we also know that for many young people, Life is amazing and virile and flourishing sure. and exciting and adventurous. And the world seems like a fantastic place, right? And yeah. the subtext of Revelation is that if Jesus is Lord, then Caesar cannot be. But the two words that Caesar used to describe himself in John's day was kurios, Lord, yeah. and soter, yeah. Savior, right? So yeah. Either Caesar is Lord and Savior or Jesus is Lord and Savior. And you can't have both at the same time. And the problem for John was that many of the Christians in Asia Minor lived well enough that they thought they Mm -hmm. could do both. They thought they could do both. And that would be a really practical challenge that youth leaders could bring to the foreground. What are the empires? What are the shiny features of the world today Mm -hmm. that faithfulness to Jesus calls us to say, I don't think that shiny object will get you what you think it's going to get you. And the world that seems so impressive to you right now is actually grinding Mm -hmm. a lot of people up. 
It's actually marginalizing Mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's actually pressing a lot of people down. And Jesus is Messiah for the marginalized, for those who have no voice. And he calls us to do that work with him. So I've said probably Mm -hmm. a lot there. That's really um, good. Yeah. Well, Ron, this this has been a great discussion and you've really helped us as youth leaders really think about some practical ways and fun ways that we can at least start the conversation with our students. And, um, you know, one thing that I was thinking about, it just came to me, was um, it sounds like what you're saying is that the book of Revelation is a bit of an assault against the Roman Empire. Um, it it's kind of That's God's exactly way of saying, no, 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 no. There is, there is a, a, and that's, that happens all over the Bible. I'm learning this. It's just that the Bible is constantly speaking into these assaults against the Mesopotamian empire or the Babylonian empire or the Roman empire. And it's, it's, um, God's way of communicating. And Daniel chapter seven is actually all of those. Remember the, the four beasts, the four kingdoms come in succession and then the son of man comes, right? The, the Messiah figure. Yeah. So yeah, no, you're exactly right. This, in fact, one of my favorite authors Mm -hmm. on apocalyptic literature, Anathea Portier Young, she's a phenomenal uh, professor over in North Carolina. She's written a book called Apocalypse Against Empire. That's the title of the book. Wow. Exactly what you were just That would be a great place for people to start then to kind of, you've, you mentioned a bunch of great resources last time, and that'd be another yeah. great resource for, pe- for people it to is. check out. That one is more focused on the book of Daniel and kind of that early yeah. Jewish context, a couple of hundred years before the life and time of Jesus. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book as well. That's great. I, I want to touch on one last thing as we kind of wrap up our conversation today. Sure. I feel like I could just keep going and going and going, but um, you made a comment earlier about um, something along the lines of that, you know, we feel like we need to come having everything figured out with our students. And I feel, I feel like we have, we, we have that pressure in the, the Western world. There's this pressure yeah. as a church leader or a, a pastor or a ministry leader to know it, right. To have yes. figured out, have a, a theological statement that we stand beside live or die, right? Right. right. I'm going to ride or die on my theological yeah. statement. <laughs> and, you know, I, I hear you saying that um, we need to come with uh, a learning heart, uh, a heart that says, I'm, I'm always learning. I don't have this thing all figured out. I'm Absolutely. doing my best to grow with you in that. Yeah. And here's one That's more really tip. Good. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Here's one more tip for a youth leader. I think make copies of some of these different passages, both biblical and non-canonical, you know, bring in some fourth Ezra, compare the vision of the Messiah in fourth Ezra 13 with the vision of the Messiah in Revelation 19. Um, You know, let read with your students, let them make observations. You don't have to be the expert on everything. Learn together. Um, Heather, I'll be honest with you. I've been teaching this material for over 20 years. And I'm currently teaching a Bible study on a Wednesday night at an African-American congregation here in Fresno. We're going through the book of Revelation, and I'm learning as much as I ever have just in conversation with these dear people of God who, um, you know, see and hear the text from their own experience. And in many ways are better positioned as people who Mm -hmm. have so much history in being marginalized and downtrodden. They have more to say about this text wow. than I do as a Eurocentric white Canadian male, right? There you go. That's so true. And it's so important to, again, 
be always be a learner. So friends, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Definitely get checked in with Ron's work. I'm going to leave some links in the show notes to get connected with him. And uh, hopefully these last couple episodes have helped you grow. And friends, uh, thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye.